You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Let's begin with summarizing what we spoke about in previous weeks and hopefully gain an understanding, a deeper understanding to our responsibilities uh, in this world that we're living in. It is very easy, and we mentioned this many, many times, it is very easy for us to get distracted. That is the really the way things work, is we do get distracted. We get distracted by the world that we have that's busy around us, and it is it is filled with so many powers that try to to fight for our time and for our attention. It's easy for us to get lost and not recognize the importance of being focused on our target, on our goal. Every single day, we say this when we say the Aleinu uh, as part of the end of our prayers, we say, Aleinu l'shabech la'adon ha'kol. It is incumbent upon us to praise la'adon ha'kol, the master of everything. To give greatness to the one who everything comes from, all of creation comes from. And what we need to constantly instill is that we are, and this today we're going to have a little bit of a different angle than we spoke about previously. And that is that we are here for a purpose. Anyone with intelligence will recognize that it is impossible for us to have such a sophisticated world for us to just be here randomly. We're here for a purpose. Every person needs to identify what that individual obligation is, what is that purpose that they are here for. And then set the mission for their life to be focused properly on their mission. To me, it's very interesting. You know, we say this a lot when we talk about mitzvahs. We talk about the importance of investments in the financial world, we talk about investments, you know, people invest in their 401k, people invest in in all of these different types of uh, vehicles to take whatever money they have now and, you know, it'll be around for their future, it'll be around for their retirement, and et cetera, et cetera. And you speak to someone, you know, who thinks about this and they say, you know what, it makes sense for me to cut a little bit back now so that I can benefit for the future. That makes a lot of sense with every area of accomplishment. Let's give an example. You know, someone is trying to get fit, physically fit. So they, it's very understandable that the person who wants to get fit will limit his intake of foods, of certain foods, so that they can get the, 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 the image they want of themselves. Uh, you have the same idea with uh, someone who wants to uh, go cycling and do a marathon. They're going to have to give up on some parties. They're going to have to give up so that they can f- focus on their mission, on what they want to accomplish. The same thing is true with our relationship with God. If we want to accomplish in our long-term our long-term spiritual 401k, we're going to have to let go of some things here. But our sages teach us something incredible, is that it's a win-win the reward that we will get is not only there at the end of this world, at the end of this life. It's one thing we can all establish that we're not going to live forever, right? We're here for a limited amount of time. However much time that is, it's limited. That's something we all agree on. We all know that we're here for a limited amount of time. So therefore, we have to also 
recognize that it's important for us to make that investment that's necessary so that when we get to the world to come, we have all of these investments that paid off. But what our sages tell us is that it pays off not only in the world to come, it pays off in this world. That means someone who observes Shabbos is investing in their, in their relationship right now with the Almighty. We will be rewarded for it in the world to come as well. But guess what? This world becomes heaven as well. For example, we say in our, our blessing, I, I was once witness to this, so I'll share, share it as a story. I was once witness to someone who came, I was once sitting next to a great rabbi, and uh, a person came in and said, uh, Rabbi, uh, I need a blessing. Okay, no problem for, for their children, for their grandchildren. Okay, it was very, very special. Then the person said, you know, I have a business in Tel Aviv. And I need success in my business. So can you, Rabbi, can you give me a blessing? So the rabbi said, sure, but is your store open on Shabbat? So this woman says, yeah, it's a clothing store, and that's when people come shop. It's open on Shabbat. So he says, how can I give you a blessing for you to succeed on Shabbat when we say every single Friday night that Shabbat is kihi mikor habracha? It is the source for all blessing. The observance of Shabbat is the source for all blessing. If we're desecrating Shabbat, you're violating that blessing. You're not letting that blessing come into your business. It's a solid question. We have to recognize the world we're living in is a world where we have opportunity. We have unbelievable potential. And what we do in this world is an investment in this world and in the world to come. So we have all of these opportunities that come our way that we, through all of these mitzvahs, through all of the observance that we can perform, and what we have is the ability with the proper observance of them to bring blessing not only into our future, but bring blessing into our present. Okay, we have the ability to infuse our present with that blessing. Every mitzvah you think of, Every, any mitzvah, we have 613 written in the Torah. But if you look at all of the laws, if you look at the laws of the detailed laws, you're talking about thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of different ways in which we feel that daily connection with the Almighty. Every time we wash our hands properly, the way Halacha tells us, is another connection with the Almighty. Every time we do a mitzvah of uh, any mitzvah, lighting Shabbos candles, any mitzvah that we observe is another opportunity that we're bringing into our lives. So what we're doing is we're bringing that blessing in. We're bringing that blessing in. We're opening up channels in our connection with the Almighty. It says in Chavakuk, right, that the Talmud says, uh, the Talmud brings us at the end of Tractate Makot, that every one of the sages narrowed down the all of the mitzvahs of the Torah to as as few concepts as possible, so that it's 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 attainable. Chavakuk, the great prophet Chavakuk, deduced it to one idea, and that is tzaddik be'emunato yichia, that the righteous live with their emuna, they live with their faith, with their knowledge and connection to Hashem, meaning. That in every single thing that we observe, you don't just put on a talit and wear a tzitzit. The idea is I'm wrapping my connection with the Almighty on myself. We don't just 
you know, make a blessing before we eat because it's a ritual, because it's a tradition. We do it because this is a connection with the Almighty. That means everything that we do in our day, in our week, in our year, is bringing about that connection to a, to a real, tangible relationship with Hashem. It encapsulates all of Torah. Emuna, faith, which we defined last week as knowledge of Hashem. Really what it boils down to is this is all of Torah. That every observance that we have is a connection with the Almighty. And when we observe a mitzvah, what we're essentially doing, we are communicating with the Almighty. Now, Monday night, we have a Muster Mondays every week, a master class, and uh, we discuss this in greater details of how to take that same connection to a higher level. Meaning, if I'm lighting my Hanukkah menorah, that's a perfect opportunity to connect and elevate ourselves spiritually, just like the fire goes up and elevates, so too we take our soul and elevate it through those candles and connect to God on a higher level. The same exact idea, we can elevate that experience to great heights. We can, elev- we can elevate everything that we do. So we take the mitzvah of, of menorah, the menorah that we light, what that does is we can make that mitzvah even greater. How do we do that? How do we make that mitzvah even greater? So let's let's think of it like this. Number one, we prepare. We recognize that in order for this mitzvah to be perfected, I can't just walk in and light a menorah and feel connected. You got to get yourself into the frame of mind. You got to prepare yourself. Then when you light, you light with intention, with focus, without distraction. We put away the phones. We stop taking the pictures. You can do that before. You can do that after. But while a person is actually lighting the menorah to focus and connect, what am I saying here? Baruch atah Hashem. Blessed are you Hashem. Elokeinu melech olam. Our God, creator of the universe, master of the universe. Asher kidishanu that commanded us b'mitzvotav with his mitzvahs, lahadlik ner to light the candle of Hanukkah. It's an amazing thing to say those words and to feel a connection with it. That it's not just words, that it's not just a nice thing. Oh, blue and white, we light the menorah, you know, it's Hanukkah and we have latkes and, and, and the sufganiyot and, and, and donuts. That's not the idea of Hanukkah. I hate to say it. It's not about the lights. We're not trying to compete with the Christmas lights and we're not trying to compete. We're, we're an internal religion. We're internal. That's who we are. We're not trying to, you know, be like the other nations. We're not trying to beat the other nations. That's exactly why this is the only mitzvah that we put by our window. We don't put our matzah by the window. We don't put our shofar by the window. We don't put any other, we don't have any other idea where we put it by the window to show it to the world, except when it's light. When we're trying to shine our light to the world, we put it by the window. Because what we're saying is, internally, we're Jewish. We have to shine. We have to take that responsibility. We have to uh, don that cloak of responsibility for the world and share that light with the world. That's part of the commandment that we have in lighting a menorah. So it's not just that we're doing an act. I did it. 
If we just do a, a mitzvah without feeling that connection, it's robotic and it doesn't elevate us. person needs to stop before and after. There's so much talked about in, our, in, in the words of our sages about looking at the holiness of the... You're not allowed to use the light of the menorah. You're not allowed to use it for anything. You're not allowed to use it to read your paper, to read your notes. What is it there for? El Elirotam Bilvad, just to look at them. Let it infuse your soul. Just a very interesting idea. The Khatam Sofer says that we have two pairs of eyes. Physical eyes that we see right here. And then we have spiritual eyes in our mind. Spiritual eyes. He says when we look at the Hanukkah menorah, what we're doing is connecting our spiritual eyes. Just like when we, when we say the Shema, we cover our eyes so that we block out the physical world and we allow our spiritual eyes to see, the Chatam Sofer says, when we light the menorah and we gaze at the menorah lights, what we're doing is we're infusing holiness into our spiritual eyes. Infusing it with holiness, purifying it. That's what we're trying to get to. The idea of tzaddik be'emunato yichyeh, that a righteous person lives in his emuna, that everything that a person does uses it as a tool to connect with the Almighty, to feel God's presence in his activities, in everything that he does. So the simplest, making a blessing on a drink that you're about to enjoy, or uh, lighting our Shabbos candles or our Hanukkah menorah, or any other mitzvah doing an act of kindness and feeling that connection to the Almighty, that is the center of Judaism. It encapsulates all of Torah. Every day we have constant work, never-ending growth in our relationship with the Almighty and our understanding of Hashem. Whatever we do, we have constant opportunities to bring godliness into our lives. Our perspective is always changing. It's like you think of a, a train, a train that sees a great view of, of a mountain or of, of a scene. It looks like the view is the same, but you're always seeing it from a different perspective. We are that train that's constantly moving. Our life is constantly moving, and we're always seeing the relationship with the Almighty from a different perspective. We're always seeing it, and we always have to adjust. I like to bring an example. You know, my father, some of you may know, was a pilot for many years. He would uh, fly as a hobby. And one of the things that were very, very important during flight was this little, it's called a trim. It's a little trim. And basically what happens is, okay, so you get to the altitude that you want to fly at. Everything is is as you uh, would like it to be. And then you have just one problem. You have winds that suddenly come from the northeast, or you have winds that come from a different, right? You have all of these changes in atmospheric pressure when you get up higher, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 feet up. So how do you adjust for all of that? So you have this little trim, and that little trim adjusts the plane so that it can handle the winds and still go in the direction that you want. Because if you just said it, okay, I'm, I'm going in that direction, and then suddenly you have those winds, you'll end up going to the wrong direction. So you have this trim, and it modifies. So my idea of utilizing that analogy is that we are all flying. We're all on that plane, and we have different challenges that face us constantly. 
It could be family. It could be friends. It could be culture, society. It could be we all have these pressures and these winds coming from all different sides. Our emuna needs to constantly be adjusted. It needs to be refined. We need to trim it. Trim. Use the trim. Now, on the big planes, it goes automatically. They have that's why they they're big machines, right? They have big technology uh, that automatically adjusts the trim for them. But in one of those small planes, like my father used to fly, you have to do it yourself. You have to make those adjustments. In our emuna, in our connection with the Almighty, we need to make those adjustments on a regular basis. We need to make those adjustments. We're going to have challenges. We're going to, I'll, I'll give you, I can tell you hundreds of stories. I'll, I'll share with you one that I just read uh, recently. There's an individual, uh, a woman, who a Holocaust survivor, she finally made it to New York, and she, for 12 years, she and her husband tried to have children. She was in a doctor's office in Madison Avenue in New York, and the doctor says to her, listen, I don't know how to tell this to you, but the likelihood of you having a child is zero. It's just not going to happen. Give it up. Give it up. It's over. So she's not willing to accept that and she leaves the doctor's office. She sits on the bus and she just doesn't know what to do. She's like, she says, well, why should I get off the bus? If I'm not going to have children, what, what, what am I living for? She decides she's not getting off the bus and she just stays on the bus. The bus is doing its route constantly, you know, up and down Madison Avenue until late that night where the driver tells her, ma'am, you know, this is the last stop where I'm going to the, to the garage. So she says, listen, I, I don't, I don't know what, what I'm living for. I, I don't understand. Like, you know, it's like, it's all over. Like, I have no place to go. I have nothing to do because if I'm not going to have children, I'm not going to have life. And the driver tells her, ma'am, I'm sorry, but that's not going to be solved on this bus. Whatever issues you have is not going to be solved on the bus. And she thought about that statement that the bus driver told her and said to her that, it's not going to be solved on the bus. And she's and he was 100% right, the driver. She gets off and she says, you know something? She started thinking of what happened to her during the Holocaust, where she was in Poland and her family would hide under the floors. They would lift, they would have this, this hatch that they, would, they were all hide in. But one person had to close it up and put the rug on top of it. And she volunteered to risk her life to close it up after everybody got in there cover it up with the rug, and she would hide on top of a piece of furniture, you know, crouch, hide. And when the Germans would come in and ransack the house and search the house every time, this happened multiple times, looking for people, she would see them and hear them breaking all the furniture and destroying their home, looking for where the family was hiding. Until one time, sadly, they caught them, they found that little little uh, escape hatch, and uh, they were all taken and murdered. She was the only one saved from her entire family. And then she says to herself, is this what God took me out for, to make me suffer now? He took me out so that I cannot have a family? And she was solidifying her relationship with God, saying, God, I believe in you. I believe that everything you do is just. And whatever your judgment is, I accept it. And you're right. It's not going to be solved in a bus. It's going to be solved in my relationship with God. And not to let go. It's not the doctors. 
that provides health. It's not, by the way, it's not vaccines that provide health either, by the way. I know it might be a shock to many of us, right? We think, oh, the vaccine, the savior, this is what's going to, this is what's going to save us all. It's a very dangerous thing. You know who put his trust in others? You know who put his trust in something other than the Almighty? In this week's Torah portion, we have this. Yosef. Yosef tells the butler, by the way, when you're by Pharaoh, remember that I was able to interpret your dream. Don't forget me. And he says two words. Two words, Yosef said, costed him two more years in prison. Why? Because Yosef was a righteous person. Yosef should have known you don't put your trust in humanity. You put your trust in the Almighty. You put your trust in Hashem. Hashem is the one who can provide you with safety, with healing, with health, with success. Sure enough, just to go back to our story, that woman a year later had her first child, one of many children that she had. And today, that woman, I think, I believe she has passed already, but by the time she passed, she had hundreds and hundreds of great-grandchildren. We're not going to put our faith in doctors. Any challenge we're facing in life cannot be resolved without Hashem. It cannot. You see, we have to understand that we're all on that train, which eventually will come to an end for each and every one of us. It will come a time where our lives are over. The question is not what we accumulated on that train. The question is what we've accumulated beyond that train, which is for our world to come. We all have opportunities in our lifetime to amass great wealth with our emunah. For those of you who didn't hear the question, the question was, well, if you break your leg, you can't just sit there and pray to Hashem all day. You got to actually go to a doctor. True. But we can't put our trust in the doctor. True. You have to go to the doctor, right? That's why God created medicine so that we go to the doctor. But do we put our faith in the doctor or we put our faith in Hashem? That means like this. If a person is uh, is told that, God forbid, they have a certain illness, would pleading with the doctor help you? Please, please tell me it isn't true. Is that going to help you? Is that going to change your situation? No. But pleading with the Almighty will or can. Okay? What we're saying is not that the doctor is not someone you should go to. Of course go to a doctor. In fact, there's a special prayer that doctors have to pray. The Rambam writes this, a special prayer for doctors to be a good vessel to bring healing to people. What I'm talking about is perspective. I'm not talking about that we should neglect ourselves, neglect our health, neglect our responsibilities. God created that so that we, you know that there was once a a, a book that was the book of healing. And that book was eventually hidden. It was buried so that we can have that book. Imagine we had that book today. You'd be a, a trillionaire. If you can, you know, people would come to your house, you tell them, put this little drop of this and a drop of that and a drop of this, drink it, right? And then you'll you'll feel better and it'll heal your heal your your ailments. You'd be a trillionaire, Ronnie, right? Because people would come, seek your advice, right? But that's not why we have illness. The reason we have illness is so that we connect more to God. God is saying, hey. You're falling asleep at the wheel. I need to wake you up. You're forgetting why you're here. What's the real purpose of living? So sometimes the Almighty needs to wake us up 
and bring it bring us to a recognition that we're here for a purpose. The problem was is that in the generation of where that book, this is the Talmud says, right? That when they had that book of healing, people stopped recognizing that they needed to change their ways. They would, they were just looking for a remedy. I have a problem. I have aches. I have pains. I have ailments. I have illness. Tell me what to do. They'd get the potion that they needed and they wouldn't change their ways. So the great Jewish king said, this is not why we have the book. The book is meant to heal, but you're supposed to awaken yourself to repent, to get closer to God. And he therefore hid that book so that we actually need to internalize the messages, not just look for the next healing, for the next remedy, but rather to internalize why did God give this to me to begin with. Now, I know this will open up a whole can of worms now. We're going to talk about, well, what do you do about uh, people who are born a certain way? What do you do about children? What do you do, right? People who are totally good. I understand for evil people, but why, why are good people? These, this is a whole nother question we could talk about pain and suffering. It's a whole nother topic, but, um, and, and understanding that. But that's that right now we're talking about emunah, feeling a connection with Hashem. And every day we constantly have the opportunity to grow in our relationship and understanding of Hashem, right? That is our 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 number one responsibility. Our, our perspective is always changing, and therefore we need to always adjust and work on our emunah, meaning it's not enough for a person to say, you know what, I'm a believer. I don't have any issues with believing in God for maybe where I'm at right now. But in 10 minutes or in 10 years, I can be in a different place completely, and face different challenges, which is why a person needs to constantly work on their emunah, on their faith and connection and knowledge of Hashem's involvement in our day-to-day lives. Faith is personal, it's difficult, and it needs our focus. It's not just going to pop up on a TV screen, oh, believe in Hashem. We need to uh, internalize it and make it part of our existence, part of our consciousness. Right? Why did we come to this world? Why did we come to this world? Why did God put such a lofty soul into our body? He didn't do it just so that we it should be a, a good day for us. God did it so that we utilize this opportunity in our lifetime to connect to him and to use the opportunities. You know, it's an interesting thing that we have this idea in Judaism called the resurrection of the dead. And we believe in this with a full faith. It's part of our 13 principles of our faith. And if you want to know more about the 13 principles of our faith, it's at the end of every morning prayer. It should be at, printed at the end of your sitter. The anima amin, all of the, the 13 principles as listed by Maimonides. One of them is that we believe in the resurrection. Now, why is there a need for a resurrection? Let just the soul be rewarded Because guess what? Who gets you out of bed in the morning? Your soul or your body? Your body. Who goes and schleps those meals on wheels that you go deliver to to, to sickly people or people who who are elderly? Your body. So why should your soul get the reward and not your body? So that's why our sages tell us this reunification of the body and soul is to reward the body that carried the soul so loyally and and was so dedicated to get out of bed and to do all the good things that we do, we get that reward also for the body. 
You know, the traits that we have, it says, that the Almighty blew into the nostrils of man, of Adam, a living being, a living soul. What is that living soul? Those are the traits that we have. That's the engine, so to speak. That's the, the spirit that we have. We, we can put together a physical body, a physical human body, but we can't infuse it with a soul. They're going to talk about cloning. They're going to make a copy of you, right? So you'll have another Bobby and you'll have, you know, you'll have another one of each one of us, another Ronnie, then another Scotty, right? We'll have each one of us will have a, a, right, but will it have a soul? It'll be a physical being, but will it be a spiritual being as well? That's not going to happen. That only Hashem has the keys for that. That only Hashem can put, can infuse us with that soul. But Hashem gives us a piece of him, so to speak. Hashem doesn't have pieces. We have to remember that. Hashem is not, oh, I'm going to give you a piece of me. right? But it, we do have the breath of God, so to speak, within us. That is the soul. You know what comes with that? All of our traits, our kindness, our goodness, our mercy, compassion, all of these traits, the perfected traits of God, we get pieces of. We can be godly by exercising those positive traits. And those are the challenges that we face in our lives to learn to overcome anger and to do all of the good things that we want to accomplish because we are godly beings. By exercising them, we are considered, our sages tell us, we say this in our prayers as well, we are considered yididim, we're considered friends of Hashem. Meaning, Hashem wants that relationship with us. Hashem wants that closeness with us. And Hashem will bring us closer the more we invite Hashem into our lives, the more Hashem will be in our lives. In American law, we use circumstantial evidence where you put together a bunch of circumstances and it, it tells your story and you can use that in court many times. But we don't use that in Jewish law, we don't use that. But perhaps in our faith we can. All of the circumstances that come together to us having our lives, to us being able to live with free will in our world. It doesn't make sense that these should be just random occurrences. And we mentioned last week that ink on a table, right? That to, for ink to fall on a table, to be a certain font, a certain size, perfectly, even to just spell the name, the letters of your name, is, is virtually impossible. To think that this world came to existence randomly is as silly as thinking that we can just throw a cup of ink on the table and it'll be a perfect Times New Roman font and write the name Ronnie. It's just not, it's just not, it's just not going to happen randomly. This world is not a random world. Every person is placed exactly where they need to be, exactly where God wants them to be so that they can, why did God create this world? To do good for us. God is going to give us opportunity. It's like sort of the game of life is God puts you at point A and says, I want you through your lifetime to get travel all the way to point B. And you can have many stumbling blocks along the way and overcome them, all those challenges, to become the best possible you. That's our goal in life. Rev Dessler, one of the great, great thinkers of the previous generation, he says that faith is what hasn't become obvious to our intellect yet. Meaning, faith is when you take that leap. I don't know. I don't, I don't have it in my intellect and understanding. 
That's faith. But what we mentioned previously is we're not looking to have faith. We're looking to have knowledge. And we could identify God. We could have knowledge, verified knowledge, if we look into our own lives. We look into all of the things, we're like, one second, that was the hand of Hashem. Hashem put me there randomly so that I meet that person randomly, right, random, and everything is happenstance and it just so happens to be. The problem is that many times we push Hashem away. And we say, no, it wasn't the hand of Hashem. It was my friend who introduced me to that person. <laughs> we, we try to put it, we tr- because it's, it's obligating when we recognize that Hashem is there. His presence is there. It obligates us to be held accountable. That's not always a pleasant thing to be held accountable. We don't want to be held accountable. Well, that's why we're here. We're here so that we be accountable. A just man lives his life in his faith with the understanding that everything is for the purpose of his growth and connection to Hashem. So no matter what trials and tribulations are placed in front of us, we recognize them as a set of challenges that help us grow and connect on a higher level with the Almighty. You know, the difference between emotion and intellect, we've mentioned this many times, is that in times of crisis, you're able to stay strong when it's based on intellect, when you have a knowledge, when I know this is what I'm here for, when I know that this is the purpose of my life, I stay firm. But when I don't know... And it's just an emotion, so a storm comes and that emotion is gone. That's why we need to lock our emunah into a knowledge of Hashem and not just into a feeling. I feel that it's the right thing, to, to that there is a God. I believe or I have faith. No, it's got to be knowledge. It's got to be locked into our intellect. Emunah means a feeling of absolute certainty that there is no room in anyone's heart for any doubt whatsoever. There's no doubt about the existence of Hashem. There's no doubt in Hashem's rulership and command over the entire world. You can't download a file called faith. That doesn't happen. You don't just download the file and say, oh, now I believe in God. We have to exercise it in every single thing. I saw it personally with every incident I've had in my life not every, but in many of them where I was injured when I fractured my shoulder. Now, recently, when I tore up my leg and all of my muscles, right, my calf muscles and my Achilles were torn, you realize suddenly that, you know what, I, don't, I didn't appreciate that enough. I didn't recognize how important, you know, it's like, it's, it's an amazing thing because now, Baruch Hashem, with thanks to Hashem, that's correct, Bobby, right? The learning promotes... That's a good summary. The learning promotes knowledge convincing of the Almighty. That's exactly the way it is. The more we learn, the more we connect, the more we realize, you know what? All the strings are attached. But either way, back to my to my to my leg. I you know, it's like you don't realize now I'm in, in, in now it's five weeks today that I injured my my leg. Five weeks ago. And for many of those five weeks I've been sitting with my leg raised up and you know, got imaging of my leg and got it right. At the end of the day, you just got to rest. You got to heal it. The Almighty has this amazing machine called the human body that heals itself with Hashem's help, obviously. And uh, we have to go do everything we can to promote that healing. And we can't think that I'm going to start running a marathon now because it, it needs time. But every once in a while now, I'm, while I'm walking around, I realize I make a little turn and it pulls and it really hurts. We don't realize how much we use those muscles. 
how much these gifts are given to us for free and we don't even realize it. It's such an amazing gift. So one needs to reinforce his desire for truth and get rid of selfish bias. We like to believe that we're in control. My legs, they're perfect. I'm healthy. I can walk. I can run. I can cycle. I can, I can do so many things. We have to always remember that Hashem is the Rofei Chabasar, that Hashem is the one who heals all flesh. Hashem is the one who gives us the ability to walk and to talk and to think and to speak. Hashem is the one who gives us those abilities. God revealed himself before millions of people and wrote openly in the Torah of it. In the Torah that we have, we have a public display of the public display. display meaning... Imagine if I write, if I write to you everything that happened today in this class. So you can say either happened or it didn't happen. And if it didn't happen, you'd say he's just a liar. We can't trust him. But that's the greatest way to verify a public experience is to promote that public experience publicly. And if it's authentic, everyone will say, indeed, that's what happened. And that's what's written in the Torah. And we've contrasted this with other religions in the past. If what happened in the Torah wasn't true, it would have been thrown out. But indeed, every person who read the Torah said, yeah, this is exactly how it happened. There was the thundering and the lightning. We heard the shofar, sounds of the shofar. And there was this revelation at Mount Sinai and the splitting of the sea. And we walked on dry land and there was the manna and there was all these miracles. And there was the clouds of glory protecting us. And there was the, 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 you know, all of the wars that were fought for us by the Almighty through the 40 years in the desert. These are true occurrences written in a public manner. So a person needs to ask Doing an action that represents a feeling of faith, when a person feels a connection, do something to solidify that connection. You feel a sense of connection with the Almighty, stop and thank Hashem. Stop, do a mitzvah. Again, a mitzvah is a tool to connect with the Almighty. Ask yourself the question, do I believe in random creation? Do we believe in random creation? If we do, we've got problems. We don't believe in random creation. We believe that we are here because God loves us and he wants us here. And he gives us the challenges he gives us because he wants us to succeed and reward us for it. So going back to where we started with our 401k, we all have a life that we live here. We can invest every single mitzvah that we do. We get the reward here and we get the reward in the world to come. Our sages tell us, that we have the ability to get the reward in two places. We get it here and we get it there. And we don't only do it because we want the reward there. We do it because we want the connection. As a result, we get the reward here. We get the feeling of connection. We get the feeling, the, the gift of Shabbos, right? I urge everyone who wants to try what it means to have that connection, to observe a Shabbos from the beginning to end, 25 hours, unplug. You'll feel a, a feeling of euphoria, a feeling of absolute serenity, a feeling of peacefulness, a feeling of connection. That's what Shabbos is. So we get that reward here and we get the reward there. Imagine for 25 hours, you don't have to worry about politics. You don't have to worry about your bank account. You don't have to worry about, about any other challenges. All you have to do is just sit there and enjoy with Hashem. 
You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcasts.com.